You know, Joe, you're not as tough as you pretend. I think deep down you're pretty sensitive. Who are you calling sensitive? Just watch your mouth. What are you so uptight about? A lot of things, mainly you. Me? Why me? Because little by little you're moving into my space here. Keep your Saks Fifth Avenue rags out of my area. And the next time I find your shoes on my side, I'm going to glue them together. Would <laughs> you be careful? Those are very expensive shoes. Then keep them in a safe deposit box. This is Eastland to Langley, a podcast about the facts of life. I'm Karen Ben Singer. I'm Scout Kirkpatrick. And we are here to talk about the 1980s television sitcom, The Facts of Life. To continue with the episode, The New Girl, this is part two. This is the season two opener. And Scout, I'm going to let you take it on with all your facts. I got I got the facts right here. So like you said, yes, the episode is titled The New Girl Part Two, um, the second part of our season two premiere. It was also filmed second, which makes sense. So it has some of the same folks involved as part one, the same director, Bob. Claver. There is a different writer credited, Jack Ellison, who was an executive producer on The Facts of Life for five seasons. He also was a producer on One Day at a Time, The Doris Day Show, which I'd never heard of, The Danny Thomas Show, which I'd also never heard of, and The Andy Griffith Show, which I had heard of. Good, because otherwise I would... (laughs) You and I are different pop culture people. Yes. But there are some things that if you haven't heard of them, I wonder. Yeah, well, I mean, there are lots of things. I've never heard of and people don't don't understand how. Well, at least you have that one. I do. This gentleman was uh, almost 60, I believe, when he wrote this episode, maybe like 58. But anyway, basically, he's a guy who's been in the business for a long time and has a lot of experience. And that is one of the writers on this episode. Uh, This episode aired on November 26th, 1980, which is a Wednesday. It's actually the day before Thanksgiving that year. It aired a week after part one aired, which was also on a Wednesday. So they've made, they've officially become a Wednesday night program. Yes. The last couple of season one episodes were aired on Wednesdays also, so they had made that leap. So on this day in history, Sir Richard Attenborough began filming Gandhi on location in India. Okay. (laughs) That was a big deal movie for the time. Yeah, and I guess it took a long time for him to even be able to get started, so it was kind of a big deal just that it finally started happening for him. And it was not on this same day, but on this same week, an opera based on Where the Wild Things Are premiered in Brussels. Which I thought was kind of interesting. It's fun. Yeah. The top song for this day is Still Lady by Kenny Rogers, <laughs> which I still have not listened to. Oh, yeah, we should have listened to that between We that's probably right. should have. It will remain a mystery. <laughs> As for TV, I kind of already went over what the uh, season looked like last episode as far as what the top shows were. Like I said, it was up against Soap and the, I think the CBS movie, but this one I did find a title for. The movie was called The Wild and the Free. Oh. I uh, tried to find some information on it. Wikipedia describes it as an American family adventure comedy television film. Okay, so it was a TV movie. It was a TV movie. They did not give any context. The only place I could find a synopsis was on Rotten Tomatoes, which described it as humanized chimpanzees return to Africa with two scientists thrown together by a budget cut. Well, sounds kind of fun, sounds I guess. Sounds like a made-for-TV movie. <laughs> Uh, As far as other movies, a lot of movies actually premiered on this day. Okay. We have In God We Trust or Gimme That Primetime Religion, which have you heard of this one? I know I haven't seen it. I vaguely feel like I may have heard this title before, but I don't I don't know this film. So this film was directed by Marty Feldman, as in of Young Frankenstein fame. Okay. I had not heard of it, but it sounds delightful. Another movie that came out today, Resurrection, which starred Ellen Burstein. Is that okay. how you say her name? Burston. Burston. Uh, another one was called Divine Madness. Do you know this one? Are you, you going to ask me every single yes, film? Yes, because I expect you to know them. Well, uh, 80 is a little, I mean, listen. It's a little early, Films exist out of time because we can always go back and watch them. But uh, I don't know these like from my youth because I was two. Yes. Uh, the thing is, is that there was a great podcast that ended before its time, where before they ran through the whole decade. But there is a podcast called 80s All Over mm. that was covering every single film released in the United States. Oh, wow. in the 80s and so they would do a month by month decade by decade they got about halfway through and then stopped uh, oh but, that sounds cool though so but a lot of these I, I i remember hearing about them but
but I I you think don't. I remember when I was listening to that podcast, unless it was a major, major film, mm-hmm. pretty much at least everything up through like 83, I was like, oh, I've not heard of that. Well, this one was a Bette Midler, uh, oh, you know, Divine Madness. Yeah, so it was Divine like her, some, yeah. it was like her stand up and like some concert footage or something. So yeah, it was all, okay. it was all about her. Another movie that came out was Stardust Memories. I know the name. I have not seen the film. Okay. Evidently it is a, unfortunately I'll have to say his name, a Woody Allen film. Oh yeah. That's why I know the name. So we're not going to talk about him, but we will say that it was evidently Sharon Stone's film debut. Okay. So good for her. And then the last film to come out was called Phobia. Which I don't know it. It's a premise where like a psychiatrist is trying to help people with their phobias, but they keep being killed by a madman oh. in the very specific way of their phobia. Okay. So it sounds kind of fun. Well, the thing the thing about films released in 1980 is they might sound <laughs> fun and then you'll find out some horrible fact about them and um, then be like, yeah. well, like, like perhaps it was directed by Woody Allen. Yeah, unfortunately. But that's uh, that's what happens over time. All right. So that gives us some nice context for what was happening culturally. Yeah, some things were happening. So let's move on to the episode. I'm going to give you a couple of uh, brief synopses. Okay. I can't wait. According to the booklet that comes with the DVD box set. The Bible. The Bible. A ridiculous bet between Joe and Blair lands the girls in jail and expelled from Eastland School. Okay. According to Tubi, a scandalous scheme lands streetwise Joe, sophisticated Blair, and co-conspirators Tootie and Natalie in jail, dot dot dot, expelled from Eastland School. So we, Blair has gone from snobbish to sophisticated in <laughs> yes. the descriptions. Okay. That one kind of sounds like a rewrite of the booklet. Yes. And then on IMDb, we have, The girls are put on probation and must work in the cafeteria to pay off their damages. That's it? That's pretty straightforward. They okay. don't even really give us any context for what their damages might be. Well, we're going to find out we what their damages gonna are. We're going to find out. I guess we can move on to the recap, unless you have something else? No, I'm ready. Okay. Well. Well, so when we last left our team of intrepid reporters, or not at all reporters, and they're not a team yet, but they're four young ladies. <laughs> they were in the Chuggalug bar down by the highway. Five lo- miles from school. Five miles from school, getting busted for, for using fake IDs and buying beers and pouring beer on a cop's head. And so when we open, we are in the jail cell. It's a single cell. Blair is mournfully looking out the door. And it's not like a traditional jail cell where it's like the bars. It's like a no. room that has a door that's got like a mesh Yeah, it's window not even on glass. It. It's just mesh. So she's like clinging to the just like a little mini chain link. And she's, you know, she's lamenting that she's in jail. And everyone's kind of freaked out about this, except for Joe, who's kind of, she's just lounging on the top of like a, you know, a bunk, yeah. a jail bunk. She looks like she has not a care in the world. She's just being cool. And uh, Blair's freaking out, I think accusing Joe of of being the reason why they're all there and she tells Joe tells Blair to blow it out her Gucci bag. <laughs> Blair's worried about her reputation. Natalie's worried she's going to give her mother a heart attack. Tootie's is like, my parents are going to disown me. Everybody's concerned about the consequences except Joe. Except for Joe. Blair goes back to her little mesh window and she demands to be let out. Tootie's like, we've only been in here for 45 minutes. (laughs) So Blair is possibly overreacting. (laughs) While they're in there, another young woman is brought into the cell. We don't get a name for her. Blair and Natalie both kind of try to make an attempt to make conversation with her. But I think because Natalie asks, like, what are you in for? And she Mm -hmm. says, robbery and assault and it seems that she enjoys assault because she's all yeah and she like cracks her knuckles right yes we should also note that this woman is like a tall woman and like none of these girls are very tall at all but it makes her really stand out yes she's she's probably i'm gonna guess like maybe five eight maybe yeah and uh she looks like she's six feet tall yeah just in that space with them because also tootie and natalie are seated so that just that doesn't help matters so she's but she seems tough right she seems Mm -hmm. like a, a force to be reckoned with uh she notices the Blair's got a nice watch and she tries to take it and she does she's taking it physically off of her body and Joe quickly on her feet off that top bunk immediately and I don't know if she's still wearing those heels she was struggling with before but does not seem to bother her now I'm pretty sure she's wearing different shoes because I feel like in the last episode her shoes were like tan but Uh in these they look 
like black, but there's still heels. So I don't know what happened there. Somehow she changed shoes. <laughs> Listen, knowing Joe, she like found, she got some off somebody's feet. I Yeah. She just I mean, got shoes. Who knows? She got shoes. She got shoes. So uh, she jumps down and she intervenes. She makes another like a body shaming joke <laughs> at this at this person. This is Joe's shtick at this point. And again, again, though, it's not to defend saying this kind of stuff to people, but it is more of the I know this is going to piss this person off versus I think a real commentary. Mm-hmm. Whatever. She's being an asshole. But she's threatening. She's threatening this person who's trying to steal Blair's watch. This girl has like a head on Joe, like a yeah, head she, taller than yes. Joe. She just gets right up in her face. And she threatens to rearrange her face, change her eyes or mouth around or something. I don't know, something. <laughs> some some like 1980s threat mm-hmm. of violence. Uh, and it works. The, she's like, all right. She gives the watch back to Blair and says, junk anyway. And then Blair has to be like, this watch is a Tiffany watch and it costs $500. Joe looks at her like, are you kidding me right now? And actually, I meant to look on the inflation calculator. Ooh, yeah. Let's find out. To see what a $500 watch would be worth today. What is a $500 watch in today's money? It's like the time I watched Little House on the Prairie and Nancy or Nellie or one of the one of the rich girls was like, this dress costs $20. And I was like, that's not a lot of money. My mom was like, <laughs> at that time, it was a lot of money. I was like, big deal. Your dress costs $20. $20. In dress. like 1890, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. All right. So in 1980, a $500 watch would be worth $1,848.92. Blair. So she's wearing almost a $2,000 watch. Okay. Honestly. Uh, upon hearing how much the watch is worth, she comes back and she's like, tries to take it again. But Joe gets in her face again. And once more, she backs off. Blair is very grateful. She's trying to thank her. And Joe's like, just knock it off. Yeah. Doesn't want the praise. Doesn't want Blair's gratitude. My take on this is that Joe is, this is a very, looking at the decade, I, this is something something we also see commonly in like John Hughes teen films, which is like, you can constantly be at odds with a person. Mm-hmm. But the second an outsider comes into that space, suddenly you are united front until you remove that person from the equation and then you can go back to being like nemeses yeah and it very much has that energy to it of like you know hey you are being awful to a person that isn't they're my problem not your problem and you need to back off yeah that does seem about right yeah we're kind of setting that tone here mrs garrett arrives and she springs them out of the cell and this additional (laughs) young woman tries to follow and she's like i think you're supposed to stay here and she's clearly intimidated by her also yes and then once they're all out of the cell and this nameless woman is being locked back in there Tootie like confirms with the guard like oh is it locked and then when it's confirmed she says what and she says something like see you later turkey see you later turkey <laughs> she and, has like, to gloat yeah she has to go and then runs away because <laughs> that's Tootie for you Blair is thankful to Mrs. Garrett for releasing them but Mrs. Garrett's like no 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 this is not just me coming to, to rescue you from this you broke the law you did a bunch of things wrong basically yeah. she basically tells them all to sit down she has some things to say to them right and those things are that they are on probation for six months mm-hmm. they are technically all expelled mm-hmm. from Eastland Blair immediately demands an appeal which is interesting <laughs> because later she will ultimately pursue a law school education mm-hmm. and Mrs. Garrett says well I have some ideas on how we can keep you at Eastland number one is that Mrs. Garrett essentially becomes their guardian she's responsible for them when they're on campus mm-hmm. they don't live in the dorms they're going to have to live over the cafeteria and they're going to have to work in the cafeteria to pay off the damage to the van Blair being Blair Warner the richest girl in school <laughs> maybe the richest girl in New York state she's like oh my mother will pay for it not a problem right but Mrs. Garrett says no 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 all your parents have agreed that this is going to be the plan you don't get out of this by some just you can't just write a check mm-hmm. your mother can't just write a check you're going to work this off again this is another instance where I think in the way that people like to paint Blair mm-hmm. you would think she would resist more but she's like okay right this is the right thing to do I don't like it but this is what we should do Tootie and Natalie are on board as well but Joe is like nah 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 I didn't come up here to be a dishwasher you know this is not part of my deal and I'm not here to make friends so don't lump me in with you three yeah she's like you're a you're a trio not a quartet yeah and Mrs. Garrett's like that's fine you can go home that's on you and Joe here says that her bike is busted which we up until Blair was like I'm not gonna ride on the back of your motorbike to go to the chug lug 
far down by the highway. This is the first we've heard that the bike is not in working order. Yeah, this is news to everyone. She can't leave. Blair offers to get everyone to chip in to buy Joe a bus ticket. Already <laughs> already picking up on the fact that if she offered to buy Joe a bus ticket, Joe would not accept it. It's true. But anyway, Joe decides, you know what? Just to spite you, I'm going to stay in school. So they all go back to Eastland. We meet Howard the chef. He's a tall, older man. And uh, Mrs. Garrett announces that they're going to be his helpers, his potato peelers and his trash haulers and all these <laughs> things. And he... He has this comment. He says, great, I believe a woman's place is in the kitchen. And Natalie says, I bet his specialty is chauvinist pig, which is a great response. <laughs> it is. But I don't, under- it's just such a weird joke for this man. This man is alone with five women. Yeah. You know, four young ladies and Mrs. Garrett. And he says that. And there's like and that's no how you know up. it's 1980 because yeah. no one challenged Yeah, there's no follow well, up no, after that. It was challenged. They all kind of rolled their eyes and then Natalie said that. Yeah. It's a joke. I don't understand why it's there. I guess it's trying to care characterize Howard maybe I but it doesn't know. it just makes him sound like a jerk well yeah but anyway but everyone agrees with that they're like you how dare you say that uh, Blair has never done menial work before yeah she is concerned that she won't know how to take out the trash yes and in that moment an attractive seemingly kind of age-appropriate young man probably he's like maybe 18 mm-hmm. shows up to inquire about a, a busboy job that he has seen posted somewhere but also like what time of night is this he comes in he's like I'm sorry for the late hour but uh, I'm here about the job and I'm like Howard says the kitchen is closed so you can't even come down for like a late night snack at this point and like this boy is just wandering in off the street at like midnight or whatever to look for a job well okay let's 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 reverse engineer this so (laughs) okay let's let's do it what do you got we know that they intended to leave the campus right after dinner which I would assume dinner's probably at six sure five probably five o'clock I'm gonna say five o'clock dinner five thirty let's split the difference so five thirty dinner so dinner over at six so then how wire the car it's only five miles up the road they're at the chuggalook bar by 6 30 it's like dark when they get there though so i feel like it depending on the time of year it has well, to it's be summer or it's like it's September. probably like august or september so all right so let's eight sure i don't know, I don't so know. Let's push <laughs> eight o'clock they're not in the bar more than 30 minutes they're locked up for maybe 45 according to 2d i mean you're right though it, it's it's at least it's at least 10 30 it's getting late it's late it's late for a young man to show up but there's no internet it's true he can't just tweet at them they're also he couldn't tweet at them today there's no twitter there's also like not i don't think that there's like a phone in the kitchen do we see anything like that over the and years there might, i don't know but the, Who know? Anyway. it is weird maybe that's how you did it back then you rolled in listen if you were a semi-attractive young man in ni- young white man in 1980 i bet you could just walk into a kitchen at 10 30 at night and say i'm here for the job and they would say Great. you should be the manager of this restaurant <laughs> yeah that's probably and true. That's, that's how celebrity chefs began yeah that's how bobby flay started that's not true don't look that up <laughs> <laughs> Don't put it on the Wikipedia page. All right. So he shows up for this job, but the response is, oh, so sorry. The position has been filled. But Natalie is like, no, no, no. We could we could use some help. Mm-hmm. Natalie's Absolutely. ready to hire him on the spot. And even Blair is agreeing. Like, yes, he can work here. So they're going to just like <laughs> watch him work. Watch this guy work. Joe like sneers at her. As she she said is it. She's disgusted like, by this premise. <laughs> so they send him away. And Natalie says, we are, really are being punished for our sins because the cute boy... Has been removed from her presence. Joe does express, she's like, well, I could have used his help because otherwise, you know, we're either going to be in class or working, which Mm -hmm. is the point of this punishment. Also, interesting statement for Joe to make because later on down the line, she packs her schedule, her school schedule. She is busy. 100% of the time. And and I'm actually in this watch, I was thinking about that. I was like, you know what? I wonder if this is something, again, me giving far more weight to the narrative, I think, than anyone working on the show. But (laughs) I, I feel like Joe knowing kind of how she is as a person that maybe for her to build that habit of if I'm constantly busy with what I'm moving toward for my future I won't try to pull stupid shit right and I'm wondering if this is kind of where that begins and then later on when she's in college that like it's just a habit she just likes to stay busy because it keeps her out of trouble even though I think by the time she's 20 she has no desire to get into that kind of trouble she's much less of a little punk yeah but I think she I think we're seeing kind of the beginning baseline of her work and study habits which is just to like pack the schedule yeah so that I'm just constantly on the move. Because also, it's a big deal for her to be getting this education in the first place, both at Eastland and then later on mm-hmm. when she goes to college. So yeah, for all that she seems to like not give a shit about it right now, it's actually very important to her. And that yes. starts to come out later. Judy has a weird comment about oh, how she needs her eight hours of sleep. This is in line with having this guy help them. She, she just, I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> 
Listen, we already had to talk about Woody Allen. It's true. So again, it's 1980. So her her joke is just the joke is that she needs eight hours of sleep a night, nine if she's having a dream about Michael Jackson. Which yeah. at the time Michael Jackson was young, younger. He was and he like was a heartthrob. A huge star. He was an up he wasn't even he was not he did not even hit the startup that he would hit in the eighties. And I don't think that generationally I'm sounding like an old ass Gen Xer, <laughs> but to be real about it, there is no one at this point in time. Beyonce is close. Mm. Taylor Swift is close to that line, but the magnitude of stardom that Michael Jackson carried in the mid eighties, especially Mm-hmm. has I, I still think been unmatched mm-hmm. and this has nothing to do with if you like his music or if definitely has nothing to do with who we have learned he allegedly was as a person right but his star power at the in the 80s was something huge astronomical we were in a culture where everything was kind of pinpointed toward like in really specific directions mm-hmm. and I think if we had that same kind of culture now then I do think that we would have people who who could match it but it's just that like he was the biggest star in the world yeah and it, that still carries to this day yeah people still know who he is and Tootie Ramsey <laughs> knew who he was then oh she did I do want to point out that she is wearing like red nail polish I noticed at about this point okay and I don't actually know if she was wearing nail polish in the last episode I certainly didn't notice it I mean either way it matches her outfit and it's cute so it's okay. fine and then she has like this cute little pin of like two popsicles on her jacket and I feel like that was a like a fad or something of like a little mm. surround pins of little objects kind of a yeah. thing. That was, I, I don't recall this pad, but I thought it was cute. I, I agree. <laughs> so Mrs. Garrett takes them upstairs to show them to their new room, which is currently being used as a storage room. It's just got a bunch of stuff in it. And they're like, what do you mean that this is our room? Mm-hmm. This is our new set. So they're horrified and Blair is like, ha ha ha, Mrs. Garrett, you really got us with this one. And no, no, it's not a joke. Uh, she's like, you're going to live in here together. You're going to clean it up. Mm-hmm. I think Blair asks where the bathroom is and Mrs. Garrett's like, it's down the hall and you're going to share it with me. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. everyone is appalled at this concept of five people sharing a bathroom. I mean, it sounds awful. It does. Yeah. Blair at this point is like, I simply cannot live in these conditions. I have not been prepared at any point in my life to live in impoverished conditions where I have to share a room in a bathroom. Because that's how, what she considers to be impoverished <laughs> conditions is a room she shares with other people yeah. in a bathroom room she shares with other people she can't do it uh and also Tootie and natalie are kind of like we don't everyone's complaining Mm -hmm. mrs garrett is like well it's a permanent pajama party and that they have the choice they don't have to stay here but if they want to continue to go to eastland they need to follow this plan they all three kind of fall back in line and joe's like i love it joe's it's great still is like it's a dump and then mrs garrett's like the door's right there and she's like oh i'll stay and she reminds them all mrs garrett reminds them all that she you know she went to bat for them basically and she she's also making a sacrifice because she's lost her private bathroom mm-hmm. she's got to share it with four teenage, four teenage girls. girls one of them is Blair Warner who I think is the equivalent of like four other teenage girls <laughs> this is probably true when it comes to mirror time uh, Blair accuses Joe of ruining everything and Tootie and Natalie are uh, kind yeah. of following that lead and they all start arguing they start arguing and they have, I can't really blame them and we kind of we cut away from that scene we follow Mrs. Garrett out of the room and she's like oh yeah. Well, I don't know. What do you do? <laughs> and then we move forward. We've shifted forward in time. The school year has now begun. The room is put together. So we have uh, two twin beds on kind of the right-hand side. So closest to the door is Blair, then Joe. Then there's a bunk bed to the far left. Uh, Tootie is the top bunk and Natalie is the bottom bunk. Yeah. And this will be the layout for the remainder of their time at Eastland. Blair's bed has like pink sheets and like a fluffy comforter and like a nice little like decorative bed frame and joe's bed has like a one of those like desk things that you can roll up like oh like a c table yeah or like, yeah like but almost like the kind that you use in like the nurse's office when you're sick yeah, yeah. yeah. it has one of those there's like a motorcycle tire leaning against her probably bed from her busted bike probably there's like a toolbox and her motorcycle helmet it's like this is like a study in opposites and yes. then unfortunately tootie and natalie's bunk bed just they just have like orange bed spreads and there's not really anything personal on there yet I think if it's not there yet, eventually uh, at Tootie's bunk, there will be like pictures of celebrities. Yeah. And then Natalie has stuff down under hers, but she's the bottom bunk. And I think there's like a little curtain or something that she can pull. Yeah. And she, I think she eventually puts like newspaper clippings and stuff on there, probably to show her like interest in journalism. Trying to solve a crime? No, but I I feel like it's like... (laughs) 
I feel like it's like newspaper articles and like there's also like pictures of boys, but it's like it's not just like celebrity crush I'm going to believe it's true crime. I mean, uh, Listen, you know what? If any one of them could solve a crime, it'd be Natalie. And if any one of them starts a true crime podcast in 40 years, it's Natalie. 100%. And then she has all her friends on. This yeah. is, Mindy Cohn actually does have a podcast, not a true crime <laughs> podcast, just a regular podcast called Mondays with Mindy, uh, which if you enjoy fun celebrity interviews, she does a lot of them, including with her former castmates. There you go. Yeah. So the room has now been uh, set up and everyone comes in and there's Eastland school uniforms and they're all dead tired on their feet. Taking off their aprons from working. No. They're acting as if they have been working construction <laughs> 12 hours a day. I'm so dead tired that you would think that they were asked to like haul lumber (laughs) instead of like scoop potatoes. I mean, to be fair, the first couple of days you do restaurant work, it's... But they're not doing restaurant work. They're like working the line and then clearing Clearing the cafeteria. I mean, mean, yeah, they're not like running around the way a waitress does. You and I both come from food service experience. So uh, yeah, I'm not at all, I'm not at all uh, minimizing what that work is like. I'm just saying that they, I think at best they're like maybe helping prep things in the kitchen, like cutting vegetables and then standing on the line to serve the meals, which the service part has to be maybe 30 minutes. 30 minutes to an hour, I would think. But yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, it can't be more than like two hours of work at a time. (laughs) They, but they, they're not used to it, which is that, that makes all the difference in the world so uh, Joe is like the minute my bike is fixed I'm leaving and I'm like what happened why is it even broken yeah who even knows she starts to tell them about Eddie who is her boyfriend back from home but I also like because they're all complaining about how sore and like how much they're suffering that Blair is complaining about her nose hurting and Joe is like how can your nose be hurting and it's because she fell asleep in class and landed on her face and then Tootie says she fell asleep in gym class and got used as first base so they're really suffering out here you guys exhausted and (laughs) when you are a teen it is true if you don't get your sleep it feels rough it does i i am someone who even now but especially then if i had a chance to sleep late and long then by god i would do it Mm. and so i i do understand and respect that your teen sleep is your most important sleep that's very true but they're not getting it they're all tired and joe is telling everyone about her boyfriend eddie blair is like everybody has a boyfriend and then she looks at a picture of him and then joe's in Insisting how different Eddie is. And that like, okay, sorry, before we get too much more into Eddie, where is this even coming from? Just last episode, she was all like, what do you guys do for men around here? And wanted to go out to a bar to pick up college guys. Not just a bar, the Chuggalug bar down by the The highway. The Chuggalug bar down by the highway, five miles away, that they had to fucking steal a van to go to because she was so desperate to like prove how good with men she is. And she had this boyfriend this whole time. She could have been like, I'm so devoted to him. Where is this? This makes no sense. Yes. Well, that's being a young lady in 1980, I guess. I don't know. You are correct, though, because it was last episode. It was about proving that you can get any man. And now it's like, well, I have this boyfriend that and she's talking about how great he is, how he's different, how her mother wants to keep them apart. That's why she sent Joe to Eastland. Mm -hmm. And she's talking about how her mother just doesn't trust guys in general because she's a cocktail waitress and guys try to try to pinch her all the time, which Natalie thinks sounds exciting. (laughs) Because Natalie's horny. We've established this. We don't know yet to not conflate harassment and assault with flirtation yeah on a cultural level i mean like in in, in these conversations and i'm yeah, we, sure we I'm, haven't differentiated between those things and i'm sure in natalie's imagination they're all hot of course she's she's picturing <laughs> being a cute cocktail waitress and then <laughs> all the hot men are like hey and pinch her bottom yeah, and she's like yeah that's what she's i'm sure she's imagining yeah natalie, natalie just no. aim higher girl honestly joe's description is that it's real love they've been together for three and a half weeks and, okay but what's weird about that is according to mrs is Garrett. She's running around with this boyfriend mm-hmm. enough that she was getting into trouble with truancy and all this other stuff. That's why her mother sent her to Eastland for three and a half. Like so, so for not even a month. Like over the summer, she was just. But how is she skipping school? That's what summer? I. Yeah, I'm like, is it even the same boy? Because she does talk about how like she and Eddie met by going to an event with different people. Maybe, but yeah, it's also just. But like, then why would Eddie be the boyfriend that she was like trying yeah. to keep away from? Because when we, when we meet Eddie, he's pretty kind of boring. Yeah, he's not like anyway. But also like this is. Also, when we get to we get to experience the different voice that comes out of Joe when she's talking about men or talking about love or especially talking to men, her voice goes into this different register and it's like, 
it's a very I'm talking about this and it's yeah, like it's, it, it goes into like a higher register. And it's like it makes sense because she's being like, you know, she's being tender about this, but it's such a strange contrast for her. It doesn't really happen with anything else. And when we see later points in time, I think I think at this age, kind of anything that's intense or serious to her mm-hmm. does fall into that space. But I think as she, even within I think a, a season or two, if she's having a heart a good heart to heart with one of her friends or with Mrs. Garrett, she doesn't use this voice. It's this and it's right. it's that thing of in general when women kind of put on a voice in speaking to men and I'm, this is in a very generalized sense but like mm-hmm. that thing of feminizing yourself so that they don't feel threatened right. and that you can kind of talk to them on their level and oh what it's interesting even as she talks about him and these things that it's framed as this is kind of her sensitive side showing mm-hmm. and that will shift a little bit yeah well and I would say she doesn't even use a voice like this when she has her heart to heart with Mrs. Garrett at the end of the episode like it's it's That's different true. Even different from that. Yeah. I feel like this voice is also something that sometimes you see from people when they're like teenagers talking to adults. It's a very I'm trying to think of the word I want to use for it, but it's a it's a very put on voice that it seems very intentional, I think is what I'm going for. I also think what also may be happening is we have an actor who's like 15, 16. She's like 14. Or 14. But I'm saying we have like a young teen performer mm-hmm. who this is kind of what she's known for. And I think part of that is how she dials into this. And I think mm. that Nancy McKeon as a performer just gets better and better. And so oh, when we sure. have these scenes in these moments, she doesn't have to rely kind of in this space. But you are right. I think between this and where we will land at the end of the episode, it is kind of two different tones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're kind of seeing the culmination of all those elements. Yeah. And it does. But it does feel like when she's talking about Eddie, it's this, oh, well, my boyfriend. And I love him. I love him. We've been. But and she, there's also comedy in what she's saying because she's saying right. like, it's been three and a half weeks they were at this dance with other people and they saw each other across the dance floor just like in saturday night saturday night fever but it was a friday and natalie thinks that's so so romantic and great (laughs) and then in hearing this and hearing joe's special voice Mm -hmm. blair says oh like you're actually pretty sensitive in a way that i don't believe she's being nasty or sassy to her she's realizing in real time oh this tough girl who showed up there's more to her than meets the eye she's sensitive joe takes that as the biggest (sighs) insult that Blair could have said to her face. She overreacts exactly like someone sensitive would. She says, who you call insensitive? Watch your mouth. And it starts a whole fight. And Blair says, what are you so uptight about? And she says, mainly you, which will be the give and take, back and forth, ebb and flow of the next many years. Yeah, that's them in a nutshell. She starts getting mad because Blair's things are in her space. Keep your clothes and your shoes off my side of the room. They're in this, they get into a loud argument. Mrs. Garrett intervenes. She enters the room and then Joe rattles off this like list of cosmetics that Blair has allegedly overrun into her space her hairspray and lipsticks and makeup and like a whole I mean Blair probably does travel with like an entire cosmetics counter worth of product we did see her makeup bag which is like a normal person's suitcase suitcase. (laughs) and she's complaining about that Blair says well it's not easy sleeping next to Mr. Goodwrench over here and then Mrs. Garrett demands to like each other that's an order Mm -hmm. so we cut away from that scene but that scene is also not only their beds but their outfits are like the perfect contrast that's like when we really get to see like they're no longer wearing like their aprons and like joe has her like eastland vest open her tie is loose and blair is all buttoned up and like as these two are just shouting in each other's faces it's just like the contrast of the two of them butting heads i'm pretty sure that if you are on any of the major social media platforms and you type in joe and blair Mm -hmm. and you might have to put facts of life but if you put them in this gif is one of the things that shows up is from i think this like it's that contrast of the blair with the buttoned up Mm -hmm. presentation and joe kind of being loose and casual yeah and joe's like ponytail and blair's like flowing blonde hair so this is like iconic Mm -hmm. warner pulling the check uh at odds yeah we have that moment then we cut to the scene downstairs in the cafeteria they're working that service line scooping food out and this uptight other student named Margot. She shows up and Molly from Molly Ringwald. Molly yeah, from is, last season. This will be Molly Ringwald's final appearance on the Facts of Life. She's with this Margot girl. And Margot is just being an asshole. She yeah. is just being a jerk, kind of holding over them that they're there to serve her. Joe fat shames her in return. Joe again body shames this. That's <laughs> her go-to. But this Margot's not she, she's not phased by it. She just keeps moving. Mrs. Garrett comes over to tell Joe to cool it and be quiet. 
buy it. And mm-hmm. to be fair, Joe does. She's she, like, she does make an okay, attempt. Fine, yeah. I'll just shut my mouth and serve the friggin' potatoes or whatever. She's. I didn't even notice what food she was. Slinging. I forget. Yeah. Uh, so this time through, don't even remember who the background actors were in this scene. <laughs> except that I think in the line I saw like the Carrie White girl again. The girl with like, yeah, Carrie White girl sounds like. <laughs> Not Carrie, the Carrie White girl. Carrie White girl sounds like a generic person. But anyway, I think I saw that. Or someone who had the same hair. Well, Molly's coming through the line and she's being sympathetic. Yes. And she can't stand to see Blair working this hard. And Blair's like, look at my finger. And there's like, oh, she's like, oh, you have a blister. And Blair's like, oh, my God. Never seen one before. She tries to show it to Joe. And Joe is like, don't show me that. Don't, I don't want to see that. Tootie tells her it's rough and then compares herself to Miss Jane Pittman, which the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman was a novel in the 70s uh, about a woman who grew up in... Civil War era slavery and I think came to the North. I have not read the book or Mm -hmm. seen the TV movie starring (laughs) Cicely Tyson based on it, but actually I would maybe like to watch that. Yeah, it sounds good. But anyway, she is comparing her experience to slavery. Yes. (laughs) Mrs. Garrett tells Joe and Blair to go clear the tables. Um, Tootie and Natalie have a little further exchange, which I didn't note here, but there's kind of commiserating about. Yeah, Tootie's like, oh, I'm so sore, but am I happy? No. Yeah, Yeah, She's just like, like, no, I hate this. Everyone (laughs) is unhappy with this arrangement. Joe and Blair are out on the dining room floor collect you know they're bussing the tables margo calls waitress over to joe for her to clear their plates and she's kind of just she calls her over and just like leans back so that joe can collect the things from the table and then she keeps kind of like handing her one more thing and oh take this take this and and this honestly it's like it's pretty mild like she's not throwing it at her or anything she actually puts the napkin in the glass which i think is no you don't do that I guess, but she's consolidating. That is is an attack. She's consolidating everything in a way a lot of people don't. That's what I was trying to say. No, Um, no, but a napkin in a glass, you don't do that. I'm just trying to say... That just makes everything worse. She could have like had a lot of other things going on, but it's pretty, it's like four things. She's like, take this. And, but it, she knows it gets to Joe. So Joe like brushes off the table, but like brushes the crumbs onto Margot. But Margot like laughs it off and she's like, oh, it's, well, it's no wonder that she's so good at this because her mother is a waitress. As if mm-hmm. that is again the biggest insult that anyone could ever utter yeah because joe is like i will kill you she doesn't well, say like, that but that is her attitude she's like molly is the one sitting with her and molly's like cut it out so margo is literally just doing this to be a bitch yes like molly's not amused no one else is into this she just wants to like poke at joe for whatever reason yes and joe is i think probably the newest addition to the school mm-hmm. and evidently everyone knows yeah, her everyone past. knows her story her past her did mrs garrett run her mouth to everyone i don't know i mean although blair did know did blair well when did blair have time to tell anyone i don't know right somehow everyone knows about joe's mom working as a waitress so joe is about to like body slam this girl into next week but Mm -hmm. blair stops her Mm -hmm. she says you know you don't need to stoop to her level you know we're eastland students we handle things with with dignity and then she takes a used pie why do you have to call it a used pie out of the bus tray like it's like leftover pie and she smashes it into Margot's face it's just whipped cream it's like yeah but she throws it in her face every time i see this scene i think about orange is the new black and i think about crazy eyes throwing her pie for for what's her name old blondie what piper no yeah no or piper's the other one right alex which one is which piper is the main character okay alex is Alex is what's her name? Alex is Hot Donna from wow. that 70s show. Okay, well, that was a goddamn mess. But you get my point that that is what I think of every time. You think of I threw my pie for you. I threw my pie for you. Blair threw her pie for Joe. Blair but threw her, her pie, pie for Joe. It was used pie. It was used pie. Blair Warner reached her well-conditioned <laughs> hand. Her well-manicured hand. Into the bus tray to retrieve a used pie a and used... smash it into somebody else's face. I was going to say, I do want to commend Joe for like... Because if Blair had been saying anything like this to her, she would be in her face in an instant. But like Joe kept it together against this other chick, no problem. Because it's Blair who gets under her skin. And and she also she told Mrs. Garrett she would keep it cool and she if she wants to stay in school. And she's making an effort. Yes. So Blair does this. Everyone in the cafeteria laughs about it, even Mrs. Garrett, until mm-hmm. she stops herself. And I, th- I think that Margot's just that girl nobody likes. I guess she's so. Mean. She is a mean girl. She is a mean girl. So then we cut. To to the 
upstairs bedroom. Joe is packing a bag. Blair enters to see her doing this and she's like, what are you doing? Joe's like, I'm leaving. Blair's like, your bike, it doesn't work, remember? Mm -hmm. And Joe's like, basically says she'll hitchhike Mm -hmm. because it's 1980 and that's what people did. That is unfortunately what people did. Blair thought that their moment down in the cafeteria was like a moment of unity. Because she threw her pie for her. She threw her pie. She threw used pie for her. But Joe's not interested. She could take care of herself and she doesn't need Blair's help. Mm-hmm. which will be a theme throughout this series, especially when they're still at Eastland. And even later, there are times when she might need Blair in her life. But she will never admit it. No. No. She doesn't want Blair's help. She can especially she can handle now. herself. Right now, she can handle herself. Blair's like, I broke a nail for you, uh, <laughs> reaching into that bus tray to get that. She really by. thinks that might mean something. Like, she's like, look, like showing her. Joe doesn't care. Joe's like, I thought you'd be happy because if I'm gone, you got room for all your crap, all your hairspray. Uh, Mrs. Garrett enters and uh, Joe's like, I don't like it here. And Mrs. Garrett's like, okay, but you know, your mother, she worked really hard to get you here. And because Joe says she's not, because she basically accuses Joe of quitting school. And she's like, I'm not mm-hmm. a quitter. And she says, well, neither is your mother because she's working really hard to send you here. Mm-hmm. And essentially kind of saying like, do you want to disappoint your mom? And Joe starts to cry. And she this starts, is why yeah. Nancy McKeon is paid the big bucks. Why she's the one billed as Nancy McKeon as Joe. Mm-hmm. Because that is a, when you get that credit, that means somebody on your team really worked that out. That's a, a kind of position of honor in a way to be that person generally means someone negotiated something for you. I actually don't know if it means you get, you're getting paid more or it's equivalent to something i think at some point she was paid the most out of the girls so, but it was not from the start i don't think but she's kind of in high demand at this time this is why though because she can't cry she can cry on command one of the one of the greatest criers of television so well, she honestly yeah like she's because it's she's just like getting teary at this point like tears aren't falling yet but she's there talking to she's mrs g she's choked teary up teary eyes she's crying through everything mrs garrett's saying about her mother and so she says you know what i'll stay out of respect for my mother because I happen to think she's a very special lady and she's crying and you're just like oh Joe loves her mom so much and like she's, she says I'll think it over and she like waits like two seconds and okay I thought it over I'm gonna I'll, stay I'll stay this whole scene unfolds in front Blair is sitting right there in the room yeah just watching quietly and again this is a thing that happens multiple times I was gonna say that yeah the person that you would think Joe wouldn't want to be present for any of her kind of emotional moments is right there from the beginning mm-hmm. right there and I think that is well, let's finish out the episode then I want to talk a little bit about that yeah one. me too then Tootie and Natalie enter and they're asking what she's doing but now Joe's ready to kind of play it off and make a joke about it I got no privacy around here you're all up in my business and Blair announces that it's good news slash bad news because Joe's decided to stay and they all laugh about it they all go around Joe's bed to where her bag is packed and they are like quote helping her but they're kind of just pulling everything out of her bag <laughs> just and kind the of throwing, throwing it at her and at one, at one point Blair has like Joe's shirt when she puts it on her head and then kind of grabs her with it and wraps it around her neck yeah and kind of it's pulls her in 100 percent like playful silly yeah and it's something that ends up in the the main credits yeah but um casual choking yeah <laughs> just, so, a ca- just, just casual. a casual casual a little bit of casual choking uh, funsies a funsies choke and they're just like woo joe's staying and yeah. that's where we end the episode is that they're kind of a bit of a unit they still have a lot of work to do as friends but mm-hmm. joe is part of this group you know they're no longer a trio they are a quartet at this point in time and will be yeah for till the end of the run uh so to kind of bounce back to that moment of blair being present for now i lost completely what i was gonna say about (laughs) it uh and i think i got it it just becomes a theme with the two of them and i think it's really here to have this in in joe's first appearance essentially that here's this person she can't stand her Mm -hmm. everything about her is completely antithetical to who joe is this girl she's blonde she's rich she's pretty Mm -hmm. because i don't think joe classifies herself as a pretty girl Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the next episode kind of gets into that space. You know, she's tough. And Joe sees herself as, you know, she's tough stuff. She's from the Bronx. She ran with the Bronx Barbarians or the Young, or Diablos, the young Diablos, maybe whichever both. one. I think they list them both. She's just, they're, they're, they are opposites and they're presented mm-hmm. as opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is, even again, if this is just kind of how the blocking laid out to be doing a sitcom, to have Blair right there for this really important and emotional moment for Joe, where she's leaning into something and sticking with something ultimately out of respect and love for her mother. Yeah, it's it's very personal. Yes. And Blair is just there watching. And even like towards the end when Joe is saying she's going to stay, she even kind of turns and says that to Blair, like to acknowledge that she's there. 
Yeah. And like you said, this is a pattern for them. They tend to be in the room a lot when the other is having some kind of breakdown or emotional crisis or just like, you know, a lot of the heart to hearts that they have with Mrs. Garrett, the other one is sometimes just there. It's a very interesting way that they build intimacy, whether you view that as friendship intimacy or anything else. Yes. Point here being is that they, from the beginning, I think, are really important to each other, even if they don't quite recognize how or why. Right. Because even at this point, Blair is like, Blair clearly doesn't want her to leave. Right. You know, when Mrs. Garrett comes in, Blair is just like, just throws up her hands. Like, I don't know what to say to her. Like, she's leaving. I think in the, within the narrative, one, they've gotten into this trouble together. Mm -hmm. So now they have this, Blair's never been in trouble like this before. And now she has someone who's in trouble with her. Mm -hmm. So they've, they've, to her, I think they've bought bonded over that even just the pie thing mm-hmm. that she's like I thought we bonded over that you know like I thought that was something I thought we kind of had something going like yeah and when you're that age too you know you find these moments or things silly things that happen at school you know that you are like oh remember when this happened and like that's how you connect with people because yeah. you know, it's your social structure and now that we've removed the other girls from season one because I think that really the only one she was particularly close to was Sue Ann right but even then they had kind of an antagonistic friendship yeah and so I think I think just the the, the culmination and combination of the series of events Blair's previous again because her kind of previous loner status this might be Mm -hmm. the first time that maybe she's felt like she's trying to make a friend in this way right that isn't about status I don't know Uh, I think as we move through our Patreon episodes with season one we'll um we can kind of gather as many uh, details about that as we can but well and I think too the fact that you know she saw something different in Joe when Joe was talking about Eddie and I think that even though it just made Joe yell in her face about how no I'm not sensitive leave me alone I do think that that was a moment that like made clear to Blair that there is more to Joe I think Blair sees Joe as a mystery she's Mm -hmm. she's mysterious yeah she's unlike anybody that she knows she doesn't care about fashion she doesn't care about etiquette she doesn't care about money Mm -hmm. and the things that she does care about they're not things Blair knows or cares about or thinks about motorcycles boyfriends I mean Blair thinks about boyfriends but she doesn't care about them she's like everybody has boyfriends that's true she, her she's a much more social dater yeah but like i think and that's that's but that's the one thing they did they kind of aligned on right was like mm-hmm. where are the men who are the men what's going on right. and then they had but it became a competition yeah i think that the my favorite moment of this probably is the pie incident i agree and for blair to like preface it with that long little speech about how this needs to be befitting of Eastland. blair talks like she's a business person already <laughs> like but then she does shit like throw but then she a pie does shit like face. throw a pot. Yeah. Well, and also I think this episode is important too because I think it's the episode that starts to give us a sympathetic Joe and a Joe that we can actually like. To be fair, it's only the second. It's well, yeah, but the she's the second part of two. Yeah, but she's like I said, she's not very likable in part one, and it's not until like the back half of this episode that we start to be like, like Blair, we start to be like, oh, there's more to Joe. She's not just some little punk who's here to cause chaos. There's more going on here. And we will, as we move into this season, move through this season, we do start to get those same things with the other girls as well. Mm-hmm. A couple episodes out, we have a 2D-centric episode. I don't remember when the next Natalie-centric one is. I mean, we have a couple that are kind of like group. They're very yeah. like, around the foursome. I think about five or so episodes down, we'll get into Natalie. So what I'm trying to say is that as much as we're talking about these two, about Joe and Blair, because their friendship and relationship with each other is a primary drive mm-hmm. of the show show Tootie and Natalie also get their own moments yeah um, and there's sorry I'm <laughs> trying to recall a couple things there's some fun stuff coming yeah and by fun I also mean like really heightened like stuff of the era mm-hmm. where things get a little bit you're like why how are we even here what's going on <laughs> truly uh, certain things that um I don't know a lot of this just in retrospect is going to be really interesting mm-hmm. I say interesting too much I gotta find a new word fascinating <laughs> thrilling adventurous it's gonna be a good time fun did i have any extra additional warner corner on this that's what i was wondering. i feel like i mean because there's the whole juxtaposition of the two of them coming to each other's defense because obviously like joe without a second thought jumps down from her bunk to and it's not even to defend blair it's to defend blair's watch right which is like why would she care if this rich girl lost a watch Right. But it's the thing of like, that doesn't belong to you. That belongs to my quote unquote friend because we're here to, we're in this space together. We're in this together right now. And 
As You're much not as, part of our group, so yeah. don't touch her watch. And as much as Joe spends like most of the episode being like, I'm not with you guys, I'm not part of your group, it is without hesitation that she jumps down to like keep this this like scary woman from like messing with Blair. It almost because it almost feels like it's involuntary. Joe, there's no way she's gonna let something like this happen. Yeah, she's like, You just you don't do that. And in the same token, it's like that's where Joe is comfortable jumping in. She is comfortable getting in someone's face and threatening them until they back down and Blair is comfortable making a flowery speech and throwing a pie in somebody's face because that's what you do in polite society I guess. <laughs> it, I mean listen it's been in the movies for how long? But that's you know this episode is about them coming to each other's defense and kind of doing it without a thought. Where we land here is that we have the new premise of the show which is that these four young women have committed crimes together. <laughs> Be gay do crimes. I still maintain Natalie did nothing wrong. Don't ride around with your friends who <laughs> are out there doing crimes but they got into trouble together and now they have to work together to get out of that trouble mm -hmm. and that means they have to live together mm -hmm. eat together share play together. a bathroom i'm quoting the parent trap the original parent trap right now oh. she was you will live together eat together play together wow yeah it's because they're twins who are trying to find each other's parents and get them back together right i don't know if you've ever heard of it the parent trap 1968 i still haven't seen that version the original well i've never seen the other oh well i'll show my hand i made a pact with a friend that we would never watch the other parent trap wait are you serious yeah. <laughs> i didn't 61. know it was that serious for you we did make a pact i could revisit it if heather if you're listening to this let me know if we can release that <laughs> she'll know she'll know who she is she yeah. can tell me uh just send me a message on uh messenger <laughs> if i'm released <laughs> That's how we used to resolve things with people who didn't like each other. We said, you go room together. Yeah. And well, that's what Mrs. Garrett's like been trying to do with these two from the start. She's just like, go be together. You'll like each other. They're going to hate each other. They'll do it together. I mean, it's also just an interesting way to cut the cast in half without having to be like, all these other girls got expelled. We yeah. just don't see we them. We just move them. We do see, well, we do see them occasionally. Around. Yeah, like I said, this is Molly Ringwald's final appearance. Most of the other girls make an appearance or two. Make note of that. Mm -hmm. Make note of when we see the the rest of the cast from mm -hmm. season one come through and look at who they speak to and yeah. interact with. And who they're sitting next and to. who they're sitting next to because that's going <laughs> to be important later. There's going to be a whole thing. We'll get there. Yeah. So that's, that is episode two of mm -hmm. season two, 202. And we have laid the groundwork for where we will be moving forward. You know, and these young ladies are going to share a room for a long time. And we're going to learn a lot about them. We're going to learn about the facts of their life. Uh, and a lot of other stuff. So season two has only, I believe, 16 episodes. Yes. And one's a backdoor pilot. Yes. Which we, which we will likely move over to the Patreon. Which speaking of the Patreon, patreon.com slash Eastland, the number two Langley. If you want to check that out, if you haven't already, we currently have our first episode up there. It is free. You do not have to be a member to hear it, but if you would like to become a member and each month receive one of our season one recaps, that's where that will happen. Mm hmm. We are also on Instagram at Eastland, the number two Langley, where I will be posting. I will, I, I will post as we put out new episodes. And if we have certain things we are referencing in these in these podcast episodes, if there's photographs or other visual aids, I can mm -hmm. put them on there. And also Eastland, the number two Langley pod at gmail.com. If you want to send us any additional questions, if you have some further insight on things we don't seem to know much about, <laughs> uh, we may take a look at that. And um, it's always yeah. helpful to have people who are informed and things you know we are kind of just approaching this as pretty casually mm -hmm. we're doing a little bit of research on on certain stuff around the time but a lot of these things just come out in conversation so maybe we don't quite know what to draw from so anyway if you have useful info you can feel free to send it there and yeah, we, we will decide that. whether or not we want to talk about it <laughs> Thank you for checking this out. We are having a blast doing it. We did look for the YouTube link for this particular episode on that Norman Lear Effect YouTube page, but it didn't seem to be there. It seems like they may be doing a, a sporadic or out of, not out of a, sequence out of sequence release of certain episodes. I'm not sure. There were several clips from this one. Also, they're all still currently on Tubi. So if you're watching along with us, then you can always go there. I don't know why I would tell you to watch along with us at the end of the episode we just <laughs> talked about. But so whatever there is, one on YouTube, I will always link that in the notes. So if you want to go back and check something or look at it, then that's how you can do it. 
last episode was kind of long because we were really getting into the Polnicek of it all. Oh, there was so much. So much. I guess it all slims down. It all, the field narrows when you, I don't, I have no, I have no clever thing to get out of this. So I'm just going to say thank you for listening (laughs) and you'll hear us next time. There you go. There it is. Like each other. That's an order. (laughs) 